So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Come on. How many people? Three people. Hello? How many people? All of them given same items, but at different levels. Am I correct? And soon after that, they started using what they were given. Soon after that, the master came back to settle accounts. All of them have different answers. This story, you can compare it with two other stories. The story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You can compare this story also with the story of Adam in the Garden of Eden, right at creation. And you can find three, four, five principles here that would help you to start shaping your life from where you are. Are you understanding me? If Africa is going to rise and shine again, if Uganda is going to rise and shine again, if you are going to be the generations that are going to do things differently from your parents' generation, you've got to learn these principles because they are in Scripture. They are in this story. They are in the story of David and Goliath. They are in the story of creation. These five items that I'm going to share with you. And this is what God is demanding of each one of you. One of the scriptures that has always challenged my life are these words from Ecclesiastes, where the writer says that the battle does not belong to the strong. Neither does the race belong to the swift. Nor do riches We throw at this microphone. Should I throw like this or like this? It's working again. Now, where was I before I was interrupted? The battle does not belong to the strong. Nor does the race belong to the swift. Nor do riches belong to people of understanding. But there's something that the Bible says. But time and chance has been given to all of them. Look at your neighbor and tell them for me, neighbor. Come on, look for a neighbor who looks like a believer, not that one, another one. Pick another one who looks like they believe you. And tell them, neighbor, the only thing we have in common, all of us, is time and chance. All of us. All human beings, whether they are of us in Europe, in Africa, in America, in Australia, Australia, in Asia, the one thing all humanity has in common is what? Time and what? Chance. It is people who have taken their chances at the right time who have made a difference. This is scripture. If you don't take your chance at the right time, it will miss you. You must understand, young people, that every door that God opens before you 
has an expiry date. Let me surprise you. Even your life has an expiry date. Thank God you are here now. You are not my age. Thank God you are, 20, you are 22, 23, 24, 30, 31. God bless you. But can I talk to you from the bottom of my heart? I just buried my mother about um, three weeks ago at the age of 83. That himself to remind me every human life has an expiry date. Read your Bibles, Genesis chapter 5. There are men and women who lived for 700 years plus, 800 years plus, 900 years plus. And then the Bible records that about all these men that after he got married and got sons and daughters, he died and was buried with the fathers. Try and imagine you live for 900 years and the only thing the Bible can record about you, the only achievement you had in life was that you got married. And that you got sons and you got daughters. You know, today that's not so much of an achievement. That was an achievement then. But today there are so many men and women that getting married is not a major achievement anymore. Do I sound like a mental case? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? My question is, those guys who lived 900 years, they still expired. And after 900 years, the Holy Spirit, as he was writing the Bible, he said, what can I write about this guy? Not much. But he got married, got children, and he died. And that's the story, one after another, until you come to the story of a man called Enoch. And then the Bible says, when Enoch was 65, he got a son. His name was Methuselah. And from that time, Enoch started walking with God. Then God, the Bible says, and Enoch, after walking with God for 300 years, not 700, not 900, only 300 years, the Bible says suddenly he was not. Why? Because God took him away. In other words, the ending of his life becomes different. When you come to Hebrews 11, and they're writing about the heroes of faith, it doesn't quote those who lived for 700 years. No, it talks about Enoch, who lived the shortest in that chapter. And he says, this man Enoch, by faith, he did not see death. For God took him. Then the Bible says, but before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God. Am I in the right church here? Am I talking to the right people here? My question is, after you live your 70 years, your 80 years, your 90 years, your 50 years, what will history write about you? That she was born? Was a human being there? Okay. okay. I thought there's some, an earthquake in that corner. We'll, we'll always say, oh, there, there was a girl, there's a woman who was born, there was a man who was born, I went to school, went to Makerere, or, or, or whichever university, came out of there, got married, got father, children, and then they, they've gone, and we cannot remember what, whatever else they did. I'm trying to challenge you, your life can go beyond getting married. Yeah. Come on, talk to me here. Yeah. You can go beyond getting married, getting children, as, I, 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 we thank God for the children, but you can go beyond that. You can impact your society to the glory of God. It says of David in Acts chapter 13 that and this David, hallelujah, after he served God in his generation, that's when he slept with the fathers. And today we still talk about David. And I'll be teaching about David again and again. Are you understanding me, friends? Why? 
Because David makes a difference in his generation. Because in Acts chapter 18, I think in verse 26, can you get it there? Is there someone still on the computer? Or they have disappeared? Eh? No, 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 I'm not in Acts. I'm talking about 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18. Praise God. So when, they, when his servants told David this word, it pleased David to be the king's son, son-in-law. What translation is this? Oh, that's King James. Eh? Continue. Let me see whether, whether I'm getting my... Go to verse 27. Let's see what... No, I'm... No, 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 no. I'm not getting it. No, verse 17. Sorry, verse 17. First Samuel 17, not 18. Sorry, I went ahead of myself. Chapter 17. I'm sorry. It should be chapter 17. Yeah, there it is. So then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Remember, time and chance happens to all of them. Do you remember? Eh? Come on, do you remember that? Yes. What was Goliath looking for? Goliath was looking for the strong to come and fight. But they, Israel could not produce one. So David appears. Was David the strongest man? No, he wasn't. He was a young guy who was not even fit to join the army by that time. Are you understanding me now? Simply a shepherd. But when he appears on the field, he saw a chance. And he said, you know what? I can take this chance. And this is my time. Come on. Yeah. Are you understanding me, friends? Yeah. That's why David makes a difference. So, Goliath comes out shouting and beating his chest. Give me a man. King Saul has run away. His older brothers have all run away. All their soldiers in Israel have cowed down for 40 days. And David sees his chance and he knows if I don't take it now, are you understanding me now? My life will remain mundane. Is that a proper English word? Mundane, eh? It's pronounced, okay, in Kenya it's mundane, in Uganda it's mundane. Okay, in your area it will be mundane. But uh, okay, so so go to go to verse 20, 27 quickly. Go to verse 27. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for a man who kills him? Go quickly, verse 28. Now, Eliab, are you seeing Eliab? Yes. Tell your neighbor, beware of Eliabs. Yes. Now, I, I told you, talk to your neighbor, the one you, you like. Tell him, beware of Eliabs. Who was Eliab? Eliab was his older brother. You remember the, yesterday? I told you when, they were, when Jesse was, uh, Samuel was looking for a king. Who was brought first? Eliab. And Eliab, when he appeared before Samuel, he was looking every inch like a, 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 a king material. But David did not look king material. He looked shepherd material. Come on, let's talk to ourselves here. So that David was, even brought, was not even brought by his father. But Eliab was brought. But the Lord said, that's not the man I've chosen. Hallelujah. See, when God is interested in you, he can tell people, seven people, not that one, 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 until it comes to you. Then he says, that is the person. I hope I'm talking to the right people here. Are you understanding me, friends? That for you to be in this conference, God has told some people not to come, but he has told you to come. So you can hear some of the stuff I'm teaching you here. Hallelujah. Eliab, his oldest brother, had when he, he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, Why did you come here? And with him have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? That they are trying to tell you that's what you are fit for. Look after a few sheep 
in the wilderness. You see, I was teaching people yesterday, there's kingship in each one of you. And what we are trying to do is to draw it out. We are not Eliabs. We are here to challenge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ amen. that you are more than a shepherd. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. But you must take your time, sorry, your chances at the right time. Hallelujah. Amen. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. Look at the, I like David. And David said, what? Come on, us underline that verse. Is that your Bible underline that verse? What does the verse say? And David said, so read for me. What did David say? Uh -huh. Is there not? Is there not? I'm looking for young men and women who shall be asking that question. When they see the situation in Uganda, is there not a cause? When you see the situation in Africa, is there not a cause? So that when you rise up and people ask you, what are you doing in Inspire? You tell them, is there not a cause? Why should our generation go the way your generation went? Why should we go the, uh, do the same things you did all the time? Is there not a cause to want a different direction? Somebody say amen. amen. When so many of our young people are unemployed, isn't there not a cause? When people finished my career and they have got to tarmac four or five years before they go to get a job, is there not a cause? Am I asking, am I, I'm asking the right questions. When half of your capital is owned by other people, is there not a cause? You have a cause. Are you understanding, friends? To start asking yourself, what happened here between 1962, Uganda got independence, and now what happened in between? How can we make our life story different from that of our predecessors? Am I making sense to you now? David, you see, young people, unless you start asking this question, is there not a cause you are going to go the same way your mother did? And I'm, nothing, I'm not against your mother. I'm only saying, you can become better than your mother. You can become better than your father. And even your grandfather. Amen. Am I talking to somebody here? You've got just to say, no, is there not a cause? If, when there's a man shouting, ah, come on, give me a man. Is there not a cause? David saw his chance. And he took it at the right time because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, to everything. Come on. To everything, there's a time. And there's a season for every purpose under heaven. So you must understand that you must find out the season I'm right here now under heaven. What's, what am I supposed to do in this season? What's the purpose for my life? Why am I around? Is there something I can do that nobody else can do? And if it is there, how do I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody say amen. amen. Just push your neighbor gently to your neighbor. I believe there is a cause. Oh, hallelujah. That's why I, I, I'll travel to Uganda and come and meet you here and spend some time with you. Because I believe if I can be able to start, even half of you are here, to start thinking differently, to start looking at life differently, to start looking at Uganda differently, to start looking at Africa differently, Africa shall be saved. We have enough resources in Africa. Africa is not poor. It's Africans who are poor. You must differentiate between Africa and Africans. Africans are poor, but Africa is not poor. Amen? Amen. Can I tell you one or two things I'm doing? Can I? 
Can I tell you? Yes. One of the things I purpose to do when I started getting children is to insulate my children from cousins they did not need to know. And I did it deliberately. Because there are some cousins that you don't need to know. Because they'll be a burden to you. Their parents are a burden to your parents. And they shall be a burden to you. We call it in theology the yoke of collective captivity. The more poor people you have around you, you cannot be rich. Because some of you, if you have little money, slightly little more money than a cousin, you start feeling guilty. You must stop feeling guilty for being slightly more richer than your cousin. These people are not ready for my teaching. I think you better just let them go back. Let's wait for the evening. Do you understand what I'm trying to, to, to... You see, some of the problems that we have in Africa is that we look for relatives that we don't need to have. The whites have changed because the white people, they maintain one nuclear family. This is my father, my mother, my children. Full stop. Yes, you have an auntie called, but she went. You had an uncle called, but he went. We meet in weddings and funerals, and that's it. After that, everybody carry your own cross. In Africa, we've given such a high premium to my inheritance from my father that we fight for it. The white community... They are not waiting to inherit for their father to die to inherit. Because to inherit anything from your father, and Ruth here will tell you, she's a member of our church in Nairobi, to inherit anything your father leaves, the taxation is so high, you'd rather leave it alone. <laughs> Am I correct? It's true. If your father gives you 100,000 pounds a year before he dies, you'll pay taxes on it. Believe you me. You're not just saying he gave me before he died. They'll tell you, no, 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 you didn't work for it. Pay taxes. You pay. But in Africa here, we think we have a right to our father's property. So we fight for it. No, so no, we, be, we become lazy. And that's the problem. We must begin to understand the life we have is a responsibility. Lesson number one. What we learn here is that David is taking responsibility of our situation. Am I, do you understand me now? David has come, he found a situation that his, the king Saul had, run, had washed his hands from, his brothers had run away from, for 40 days nobody was taking charge. What does David do? He takes charge. Yes. Amen. What shall be done to the man who kills this uncircumcised Philistine? They tell him, he's shut up. He said, no, he's in their cause. I'm taking charge here. One of the problems in Africa is that people don't want to take responsibility. And until we start taking responsibility of our own selves, our own lives, our own community, we are not changing. Responsibility. Look, the days when we blame the colonial masters for every problem of Uganda are over. Your generation does not have that luxury. My generation have said, oh, this happened because the British, because the British, the British left Uganda over 50 years ago. You cannot blame them anymore. Can I talk to you? And then every African president who comes, what does he say? The former president, the former government, come and talk to me. Isn't that the language? You see, what are you doing? 
Look at Obama. La learn from Obama. Learn from David Cameron. When Obama took over as president from, uh, in America, have you ever had him blame George Bush for anything? Because when you stand for president, what are you telling the nation? I want to take what? Responsibility. When David Cameron took over as the Prime Minister of England, he does not blame Gordon Brown or Tony Blair. He has taken what? Responsibility. But in African politicians, you, you want to be president as soon as you are elected. Oh, the former president did not do. The former cabinet. We need to come to a place where we tell ourselves, shut up. You are now the holder of the office. Do what that old, the office requires for you to do to correct whatever is wrong in that office. Hello? Are we still together? Yes. Am I talking sense to you? Yes. Or am I confusing you? Eh? You know, Paul Wafula, this still, you know, Wisa talked about this and I thought it's only in Harare. But this thing still happens. You drive behind a bus going to any part of Uganda. Just drive behind them. When they are leaving, you go and drive behind them. As soon as they leave Kampala or they leave a certain town, Jinja or Mabira Forest or Iganga, uh, they, and they are going on maybe to Mbale. As soon as they leave and you are following behind, what will you be seeing? Missiles of maize cobs, maize peels, banana peels. Come and talk to me. Eh? Yeah. Eggshells. Bones from Muchomo. <laughs> and you go inside and ask, why are you throwing banana peels on the road? You know, they are going to tell you, someone is going to sweep. It's not my, what are they telling you? It's not my responsibility to keep this, the roads clean. That's a wrong attitude. Dirty streets in Uganda is our responsibility. Can I continue? Can I continue? You tell me, seriously speaking, why should we be having policemen at every traffic light in Kampala? Because red means what? A red light means what? Yellow means what? Get ready. Green means what? So when it is green and you see yellow, what is he telling you? Get ready to do what? But to a Ugandan driver, what does it mean? Race. Before the red comes, make sure you have gone. Do you know that's impunity? So what does the government do? It has got to put two policemen. The light is red, but a policeman must not be, ay, 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 you, you, you stop. So what does that mean? We have to pay more taxes. But if we just obey the light, the number of policemen will be less. Talk to me. Because you go to England and you go to America, once the light is red, everybody stops, even at 1 a.m. in the morning. So there are no policemen there to make sure. But in Nairobi, in Kampala, unless there's a policeman, really stop. Then they tell you there's no car coming. What are you talking about? You're irresponsible. Can I talk to you? Hmm? It is very sad. That impunity must change in your generation. You must be generous that will start obeying traffic lights. Yeah. And stopping at stop signs. Yeah. You are keeping quiet. Because some of you are learning driving the same way. Bishop, why should I stop? You are behaving exactly like your mother behaved. 
you're behaving exactly the way your older brother behaves, then, they, then there's no hope for Uganda. If there's going to be hope for Uganda, we must start changing and say, you know what? We are going to start top, stopping at traffic lights. I'm using these simple examples deliberately because in the olden days, can I tell you in the olden days? Eh? Can I? Yes. Paul is my, my friend. Just sit there. My house is here and Paul's house is there. Seriously speaking, the shortest distance between me to my house and Paul's house should be walking straight. Am I correct? But you go and look at how village trails where you come from. None of them is straight. You'll find, instead of going straight from here to Paul's house, I have to leave here and then go this way. And then go this way again. And go this way again before I finally come to Paul's house. If you go back in history, you'll discover it's because a tree fell across the path. Instead of getting an axe to clear it, I preferred to go around it. And then another one fell. Then I preferred to go around it. Eventually, I've made the way so long instead of going straight. And by the time the tree is now rotten, the path is always going like this. Lack of anybody just saying, you know what? That fallen tree is my responsibility. I'll clear it out of the path. We say, I'll let it stay there. Yeah, I'll rather, hey, hey, hey. there's a tree fallen there. So we have just gone on the tree. Have you ever seen African drivers, as soon as they have traffic jam, what do they do? They start overlapping. Is, do that, does that happen in Kapala also? They get off the road. And you're wondering, why are you getting off the road? I, I, I must all, it's an African mentality. I am praying that changes with you. Come on, talk to me. I am praying that changes with you. That's what I'm trying to say, to, to read you this story. This master gives one person how many talents? Another one how many? And another how many? What was he telling them? Take responsibility. What does God give Adam? A garden. He tells him what? Take care of this garden. Am I correct? What was he telling Adam? Take responsibility. What have you been given? A life. Tell your neighbor a life. And a time. So what has God given you? Responsibility. But what's happening in our generation? My mother. My teacher. My father, are you aware you reach an age whereby your mother is no longer responsible for your life? Especially if you're in this room. You're old enough to take responsibility. Yeah. Come on, help me here. Yeah. So you don't come up and say, you know, my mother did not hug me properly. When I was growing up, I did not receive enough hugs. Even us, it was a taboo for your mother to hug you when you were growing up. But look at the way we turned out without hugs. We are doing very well. Hugless. Stop, stop, stop holding things against your father and mother. Because, okay, some of them do not have enough money. Some of them are not there. Some of them are not angels. Some of them are uh, scoundrels. I'm not defending any of them. I'm only saying, but you reach a place, you say, you know what? There are things my father could have done or not done. He could have given and did not give. But, you know, at this age and at this time, I stop blaming him. I pick up my life and I start moving on. Come on, look at your daughter, neighbor. You cannot do much about your past, but you can start shaping your future. Me, your past, I, look, you, you'll, you'll never find me asking you so much about your past. 
I'll pick up your life from where we meet. And I tell you, now that we have met, let's move on from here. I'll coach you on how to handle tomorrow. What to do with yesterday? I'll tell you, forgive and move on. Hallelujah. Because all of us here carry one type of a scar or another from somebody who hurt us, who did not do what they were supposed to do, who did something to us they were not supposed to do to us. But if you are going to stay there, you are going to get hurt yourself. Take responsibility of your life. Don't keep on blaming. My teacher molested me sexually. That teacher is still moving on with your lives. That man you have refused to forgive is moving on with your life. George was supposed to marry me. But he refused. He married Esther. Let George go. George, let him go. You'll never find Jonathan unless you release George. Because every time Jonathan comes and you're talking about George, Jonathan will say, you know what? I don't want to carry the problems of, jo of George. So I better look for another one who has got no ex excess baggage. Are we still together? Hello? It's nobody has not been hurt. Nobody has not been wounded. No. Rise up in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Take responsibility of your life and say, you know what? This is my life. And I'm going to do something about it. You cannot continue blaming others for your life. For any failures in your life. Oh, I cannot make a good wife because I never, I was raised by a single father. What? Get books. Go to the internet. Read about, read about being a wife and a mother now. You don't know say, I don't go to the library. You have got a smartphone. Smartphones are cheap now. You can download, download stuff. Don't just keep on going to Twitter and Facebook and you keep on tweet until your face is booked. Read some important stuff on, on the internet that can shape your life. Are we still together? Yes. Come on, shape, shake your neighbor for telling neighbor, take responsibility of your future, of the days to come. If you are alive, it means you can be responsible. If you have got a husband, it means you are responsible. If you have got a wife, it means you can be responsible. If you have got children, it means you can be what? Responsible. If God can trust you with a wife, it means you can be a good husband. Someone means to say amen. amen. If God can give you children, it means you can be a good father. You can be a good mother. You can be a good wife. Are you understanding me by my children? So don't just go around mixing my legs. I know I've got a husband. He's called Tim, but Tim, no, you can make a wonderful wife, my daughter. That's why God can trust you with a husband. That's why God has given you that to those two children, that one child. It, God means you can make a fantastic mother. Just come on. Pull up your socks and say, you know what? I'm going to be the best mother to my daughter than them. Take responsibility. Don't say, you know, the father left me with this girl. I don't know where he is. <laughs> Every time I see her, she reminds me of him. Shut up. You're not the first woman to be left. Even now, as I'm talking, there's a woman being left. <laughs> and neither will you be the last one. So dry up your tears. <laughs> Am I being rough? Am I helping you? You talk about being left. No, rejection. Jesus suffered rejection. His own people, he kept his own, his own rejected him. 
he had to look for others. His own brothers and sisters came to look for him to take him to Butabika. But that's what the Bible says. One time when he was teaching in a house, they came with ropes to tie him. They, today he was a Butabika case. He was told, your father, sorry, your mother, your brothers are out here. They were not waiting to consult him. They, were told, they, they thought he was behind. Read the Bible. He was behind, beside himself. What is that? Mental case. He said, who are my brothers and my sisters? These ones who can listen to my word. Are you in that category? I said, are you in the category who listen to the word of the Lord? You are a brother to Jesus. You are a sister to Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Tell him about take responsibility. Don't blame your father. Don't blame your mother. Don't blame your former employer. Don't blame your former boyfriend or your former girlfriend. Let them go in the name of the Lord. Pick up your life where it is. Are you understanding me, friends? Me, I'm a pastor for over 40 years. There are people who have come to my church. I receive them the way they come. They come to me married. I assume they are married. I don't ask for wedding photographs. Because they may not be there. Because he's not asking for wedding photographs. There are some people who will quarrel. Because they don't have. But they are living together as husband and wife. So receive them the way they have come. Let's begin. Can I, how can I make you a better husband and a better wife, a better father and a better mother to your children? Because that's my desire. Hallelujah. Because I believe when you start taking responsibility, you are going somewhere with your life. Amen? Amen? So the first thing that will change Uganda is the Ugandans start taking responsibility for Uganda. Stop blaming those who have left. Jesus says, no, no, no. You watch the things that which remain and strengthen the things which remain. There's something fantastic about Uganda. Do you know the interesting thing? God is now giving you oil and gas in Uganda. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, Uganda can rise up. Uganda can go places. And Uganda is depending on you. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's the first thing. The second thing we are looking for who can be responsible. We are looking also for people who can be accountable. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. The master came and said, I gave you five talents. What have you done with them? <laughs> I gave you how many? I, what have you done with my five talents? I gave you how many? Two. What have you done with my two talents? I gave you how many? One. What have you done with my one talent? The problem begins here. Let me see if I can sort you out. Can I? Can I sort you out? You must realize in life there are people with more talent than you have and others with the less talent than you have. Hello? Get over it. And be comfortable with it. <laughs> Not all of us are equal. No. See, the problem with us as Africans is that we want to have what others have. How come I've got two and she has got five? No. There's a God who gave her five. And God will ask her to account for the five. He'll ask you to account for your two. He'll ask you to account for your one. Am I clear now? Stop looking at other people. In life, can I, can I talk to you? Yes. If you look up, you will find so many people who are above you in many things. 
But as you look up, I dare you to look down also. You'll discover there are millions of others who are below you. <laughs> so if you keep on looking up and say, there are so many people up there. Oh, they're better than me. Shut up. Can you just turn and look down? Look at me here communicating to you in English. How many Ugandans cannot speak a word of English? They cannot attend this meeting. Because the medium of communication is beyond their comprehension. If we start using that heavy English. But here you can't speak English. Hallelujah. You can communicate in the English language. You've got access to internet. Come on, let's talk to ourselves. Let's, let's just look at what we have, we, ha we have available to us. Shall we do that? Yeah. Eh? We have access to internet. Am I correct? We have gone to school. Some of us have got jobs. Some of us are training. Some of us are training for a career. Am I, am I, am I talking to somebody here? Yeah. Eh? That's why some, some, somebody says, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. Hello? Hello. Esther thought, I'm just in the palace to be one of the wives of the king. She did not understand that her beauty was an asset. That God will come asking for an account for. Seriously speaking, how did she end up in the palace? They hailed a beauty pageant. So Esther appeared. And she caught the eye of the king. Am I correct? So she thought, I'm just here to look beautiful. She was told by Mordecai, no, you have come into this kingdom for such a time as this. Use your beauty again. Am I talking to somebody here? So whatever you have, my sister, your age is an asset. Your height is an asset. Am I, am I confusing you? Your education is an asset. You, you think you are vertically challenged? There are people looking for people with just your dimensions. Hallelujah. Am, am I talking to you? If once you last that, you know what? My life is an asset which God has given to me. And in one of these days, he'll ask me, what did you do with the life that I gave you? I gave you 40 years on earth. I gave you 50 years on earth. I gave you 70 years on earth. What did you do with the 70 years? How long did Jesus live? Then on the cross, what did he say? It is? In other words, the purpose of my life is? You see, you don't have to live to be a hundred. You can die at 33 and you're finished your purpose. And the world will never forget you. Some of you think, oh, I want to live to be a hundred. To do what? Some of you, by the time you're 65, you'll be senile. You cannot even know who you are. You'll be asking your children, and what did you say your name was? Esther. What did you say your children's name was? But I told you Esther. Oh, Esther. What did you say your name was? You don't, you don't want to live until you are that asking your, your own children three, their names three times. Go home. 
But before you go, can you do something useful? Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Can you do something useful with your life before you go? Hallelujah. Amen. So you must, tell your neighbor for me, you must. I look for a neighbor again who believes you. Tell him you must take responsibility of your time, age, assets, whatever God has given you. Because one of these days, he will come to ask you to account for it. In Kenya, there are many scandals. That in, I'm not talking about Uganda. I'm saying Kenya. In Uganda, you have no scandals. In Kenya, we have scandal, corruption scandals. But do you know something? There's nobody in jail. I'm talking about Kenya. I'm not talking about Uganda. Do you know why? Because nobody has ever been brought to account. There are men in Kenya who are rich. And the public knows how they got the money. But nobody can touch them. Because there's no accountability. That's what is killing Africa. We don't have a leadership that's accountable for what they do when they're in office. You've got to learn to be accountable. Am I talking to somebody here? And once we start learning, you know what? Whatever I do with my life, I shall be held accountable. I shall be held what? Accountable for it. Then we shall be careful with whatever we do with our lives, with our money, with our finances. Because accountability is very, very important. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. I say praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Are you understand what I'm teaching you here? Yeah. The master came back and said, I gave you five talents. What did you do with my talents? I gave you two. What have you done with my two talents? One day, Adam, when he was walking, he had the voice of the Lord. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Genesis 3, 10. He had the voice of God in the garden. And he ran and hid. And God speaks to him. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was. And what did I do? I hid myself. Look at verse 11. What does God ask him? And he said, hello? Who told you that you are? In other words, God is telling Adam, of all the things I told you, naked was not one of them. <laughs> hello? God says, I told you to be fruitful. Hello? To multiply, to increase, to subdue the earth, and have dominion. I never told you you are naked. So who told you that? <laughs> Ask your neighbor for me, whatever you are doing. Who told you? <laughs> what is the source of your information? What is the source of the ground which, on which you are making that decision? You are making an important decision in your life. But who has told you that? God came and said, you know what? So far, can I just talk to some of you here? How old are you, son? 29. 
Suppose God says, okay, you've lived for 29, 29 years. Can you account for what have you done for the last 29 years? I'm just using him as an example. I'm not putting him on the spot. But suppose God was to ask each one of you, you've lived for 25 years, you've lived for 30 years, you've lived now for 22 years. What have you done? If you die today, what shall you remember you for? Some of you will, be, your eulogy, we may take just a paragraph. He was born, went to nursery school, primary school, high school, university, and he died. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. I said, Hallelujah. The Bible is still very clear. Leave alone even down here. Even in heaven it says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now henceforth for their labors or their good works. Do what? Follow them. Malachi says, And there are books that shall be opened in heaven. What books? The works that we do are being written in books. I thank God and I pray you make it to heaven. But when the books are open, what shall be found in the record of what you did? Here on earth, that can even the angels can say, Hey, my God, there is a woman that is arriving here. Oh, my God, earth is missing her. The question is, Will people miss you? Or are you just a, a net consumer of oxygen and a zero contributor to the welfare of humanity? Hallelujah. Amen. So, number two is what? accountability. Responsibility that must lead to what? Accountability. I want you to be a, a generation that is accountable. Hallelujah. Amen. I said hallelujah. Amen. Are you learning something here? Yes. I'm picking that from that story. The king came to ask for accountability. And asking for accountability, what was he looking for? The third thing. Creativity. Creativity. It says in Genesis chapter 2, I think verse 18 or 19. Put it up there very quickly. Genesis 2 verse 18 or 19. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be her. Go to verse 19. Out of the ground of the, the Lord formed every beast of the... Ah, read for me. What does it say? Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would do what? Call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now, can you imagine how intelligent Adam must have been? <laughs> to have names for the different animals, he had to be creative. Others, he'll be calling every animal, lion, lion, lion. Lion, lion. <laughs> but to see and say, lion, cat, tiger, puma, cougar. Are, are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Or you can say, that's a dog, that's a wolf, that's a fox. See, that took creativity. Because there's a, a animals that look the same. So there's an impala, 
there's a kudu. Talk to me, church. Then there's a goat, there's a wild beast. All these are different kind of eh, animals, but they, they, they're in the same family, but they are different. Others, it was like some of us, it will be just cow. Cow, cow, cow. Black cow, red cow, green cow, but cow. Big cow, small cow, but cow. Eh? He must have understood. There's a donkey, there's a horse, there's a zebra. They look alike, but they're not the same. Otherwise, some of you have said horse, horse in pajamas <laughs> for a zebra. That's a horse still wearing pajamas. <laughs> Are you learning something here? It had, it had to be what? Creative. How did David kill Goliath? Did he use a spear? Did he use a sword? What did he use? What, what weapons was uh, Saul giving him? He gave him his sword, his spear, his armor. Am I correct? What did David do? I've never used this. Give me time. Let me be what? Creative. So he appears on the battlefield with a sling and a stone until his opponent is confused. Goliath is expecting a man to come. Oh, his spear higher. But he sees a boy coming, swinging, saying, Hold it. Whom have you sent? Not a giant, but a small boy. So, so, so that was the first, first culture shock. Goliath said, Am I a dog? <laughs> Goliath, what did Goliath say? Am I a dog? You have sent me a boy and stones. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I may not be a giant, but I'm a giant killer. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, you don't have the battle does not belong to the strong. No. It belongs to people who can think creatively. Some of the richest men and women in Uganda did not even, they don't know where my career university is. They know the direction. But they don't go there. They never went to the school there. But they can pay the civil servants for three months before they start sweating. <laughs> Why? They became creative in making wealth. Am I talking to somebody here? Amen? Amen. If someone was given five talents and he got another five, it meant he was creative. To get two talents out of two, it means you are what? But look at typical Ugandan. He took his one. What did he do? Says, I shall keep it here. I know my master. Hey, these people, you, hey, hey. I know him. He reaps what he has known. So, I'm not going to play with this thing. When he comes back, I'll dig it up again eh, and give him his shilling. The master said, you are lazy. What's the lesson I seen? You refuse to Can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? If Uganda is going to change, your generation must start thinking creatively. 
Ah, in Kenya, I'll keep on talking about Kenya. You can apply it for Uganda if you choose. In Kenya, we have one basic problem. If someone begins a business here selling tomatoes, tomorrow there will be another one selling tomatoes here. Day after tomorrow there will be another one selling tomatoes here. Within one week, there will be a whole street of tomato sellers. Do you know what they are telling you? We refuse to think. We can only copy you. And that's bad. Because seriously speaking, if you're the only one selling tomatoes, and she's selling onions, and this one is selling courgettes, and this one is selling meat, do you, do you see there's a chance of you to make money? But if you're selling tomatoes, 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 all of you will be selling to very few people. You have to share customers. And it comes because of lack of creativity. Africans have refused to be creative. Touch your head. Tell your neighbor, a thinker dictates to a physical laborer. <laughs> what was the difference between Esau and Jacob? I'm talking to you. What was the difference between Esau and Jacob? Jacob was a what? Jacob was a thinker. Esau was a what? A hunter. A worker. Look at it. To Esau, chasing one rabbit a whole day And killing it was a major achievement. Comes home <laughs> carrying a rabbit, which he has chased the whole day. You see, when you catch an animal and you kill, it cannot reproduce. It means tomorrow you have to chase another one. Talk to me. No wonder God says, you know what? Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Why? Because Esau refused to think. Have you realized in the world, people pay you to solve problems. Really, that's why you get employment. If someone gives you a job, it's because they have a problem they cannot solve for themselves. They hire you to solve it for them. The more complex the problem you solve that involves thinking, the more they will pay you. But because if all, the only problem you are solving is to sweep the dust away, they don't pay you much. Because that's what they can do for themselves. It's just that they don't have the time. They hire you to sweep because they don't have the time. I, I, so I get challenged when I find some of your generation telling me, Bishop, is there a job? I said, yeah. What, what have you trained for? They say, any work. What do you mean by any work? You cannot just do any work. You must, you must have some skills that you are selling. Amen. The question is that what skill are you selling? Because when you have got skill you are selling, someone will pay you for it. Okay, let me put it this way. What lifted Joseph? Was it his labor, being a laborer or a thinker? Hmm? The king had a dream. That nobody could solve. Am I correct? Yeah. They told him there is a Hebrew in jail who can solve your problem. Yeah. They brought him out. 
when he solved it, did he get a job or not? He didn't get a job. What made Daniel and his compatriots ahead of others? Was it their brains or their laborer? Stop selling your labor. Labor is cheap. Start selling your skills. They are highly priced. The Bible says in the book of Daniel chapter 2, I think towards the end, that as for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was not find anybody in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar who could match them in skills, in thinking, in everything. They were ten times better than their contemporaries. That's my prayer for you. That's what will make a difference between you and the others. When you can think ten times better than the other accountants, Can I talk to you? Hmm? Why do you think God has given us the Holy Spirit? To speak in tongues? Is that the reason? Joel is very clear. What does Joel chapter 2 say? It's there also in Acts chapter 2 verse 17. Peter says, this is that which was spoken by Prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. And on your sons, on your daughters, they shall do what? Prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams and see what? Visions. What? Sorry. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. What is visions? Visions are strategies. They are solutions. The Holy Spirit has been given. It is there. Your young men shall see what? Visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To help you get some new visions for solutions in Uganda. Things that my generation can not, has not been able to solve. You can get a new vision to solve it. You understand me, friends? You can start. Joseph came up with a solution. What was it? Your soul, God gave you a dream. Seven years of, of harvest. Seven years of famine. Do this. In the seven years of harvest, let's come up with stores. Let's harvest. Let us store food. In the seven years of drought, we shall have enough food to take us to the seven. Was that a solution or not? What did the Pharaoh say? And because Joseph told him, you need a man of wisdom and understanding to manage that program for you. The king said, you are the man. Yes. He got himself a job. He wrote his CV. <laughs> you can write your own CV if you are a thinker. Hello? Hello. Tell your neighbor creativity. What is the purpose of you graduating from a university and then you are given a job and all you need to do is you are given a pen and a rubber stamp. To look at a piece of paper, put your signature, put a stamp on them. You don't need a degree to do that. Can I go on? Yeah. Sorry, my brother. I say you don't need a degree to put a stamp and a signature on a voucher. Primary school leaver can do that. Signature and on a voucher and rubber stamp. You don't need a degree. Because our generation, can I talk to you? 
have misunderstood the purpose of education. In, Africa, in, in Kenya, I'll keep on talking about Kenya, so you don't accuse me of attacking Uganda. There's a song that was sung when I was going to school. It went something like this. Those of you who understand Swahili, you understand. So many vijana, muongeze pia bidi, muisho wa kusoma, mutapataka zinzuri sana. In other words, go to school, young people, and work hard in school, because after you finish school, you'll get yourself a good job. So, the education system was designed to make you, can I put it this way? An employee. So, our colleges, universities were producing civil servants. <laughs> so, as soon as you finished Form 4, you finished university, you are looking for a job, they ask you, have you got a job? Yes, with Barclays Bank, uh, uh, you, Government of Uganda, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, I'm working in the, in the police. And we assume the purpose of education is to make me employable. Wrong. <laughs> the purpose of education is to make you enlightened, give you exposure of the world out there and how to interact with it so that you can become creative enough to create your own employment. If you can start seeing the opportunities that are out there for you to become an employer, not just an employee, Some of you are getting annoyed. Why should you go and say, me, I want to become an employee? You can become an employer. I said you can become an employer. You can create jobs. You can create wealth yourself. Hello? Think, think, think of what I'm telling you. Think about it. So if, though if, if you're still not going to university, please go and take a degree that will make you, prepare you for self-employment. So that if the government of Uganda cannot give you a job, you can employ yourself. You are quiet. Because you want to be employed. Let me, can, let me teach you something. Employment is never designed to make you rich. Employment is designed to keep you alive and work for your employer. If you find a teacher who became rich out of teaching, they sold school chalk. <laughs> if you find a civil servant who became rich and is a civil servant, he sold government stationery. Because a, a, a civil servant salary is not supposed to make you rich. It's only supposed to keep your soul and body alive, connected, so you got to keep on coming, working for me. That's all it's designed for. Do I sound like a mental case? If you're going to break through the poverty ceiling, you've got to start creating your own wealth. Can I talk to you? As long as someone else is deciding how much to pay you, you'll never become rich. Until you reach a place whereby you decide your own salary. You are not the right group. Are you? Are you understanding what I'm trying to tell you here? Eh? 
Are you know what I'm trying to say? That's what I'm calling creativity. Come to a place where, but you know what? I am doing this. I decide how much to pay myself from my business. And a business is not a business until it can run without you. A business that demands your presence to run is not a business. It's employment. You are self-employed. <laughs> a business qualifies to be called a business when it can run without you. The owner of this hotel does not spend his day here. When he comes here, he comes to eat. <laughs> but this hotel runs without him. This is a business. But if he has to spend the day here, then it's not a business. He's self-employed. I'm trying to push you beyond the realms of self-employment. You start come up, coming up with enterprises that can run without your presence. Amen, 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 amen. Am, am I giving you too much stuff? No. Should I just preach John, John 3.16? No. Are you learning something or, or I'm wasting my time? You are learning something here? Yeah. Tell your neighbor, start thinking. Outside the box. Become an employer. Not employee only. Amen? It is okay to start by, with employment so that you can learn some disciplines and acquire some skills. Am I making sense here? But you are saying, you know what? I am here now, but watch this space. In another five years, I'll no longer be here. In another ten years, I'll be running my own business. Hallelujah. Amen. But for you to be employed as a teacher until you retire, then you say, I am a retired teacher. You are not just retired, you are tired. <laughs> Can I continue? Yeah. And then you make, the, the, you make the mistake many of retiring civil servants and teachers do. You want to start a business after retirement. You are foolish. If you are going to start a business, start now. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it is good to bear the yoke when you are young. It is good to bear what? The yoke. When you are still at my age now. Some people are telling me, now Bishop, you need to buy a farm because when you retire, you need to go and stay on a farm, look after cows, I told him I'm not. I am not going to a farm. I'm not looking after cows. I'm not looking after chickens. Why? Because I never looked after cows when I was young. I'm not beginning in my old age. I will die quickly. I'll still buy my milk in the shop. I'm not going to chase chickens to give me eggs. I'll still buy chickens in Uchumi. I'll buy my chicken in Uchumi, my eggs in Uchumi, my milk in Uchumi. Farming is not my forte. I'm a city, city dweller. So I want a home and retire in the city. You, you tell me if I retire in Nairobi, I shall not go to heaven. When Jesus comes and the trumpet sounds, I shall not, I shall not hear. I shall hear from Nairobi. Praise God. So, so I told him I'm not going to the village. I'm not retiring in the village. I'm not going anywhere near a village. I'm staying in Nairobi, Kenya. The second city will be Kampala. If I retire, come to Kampala. I live somewhere here. Most probably on Muyenga. That's why I should retire. 
See, you don't start. You, you, you've worked all these years. You are now 60. You take your pension and go and buy a matatu. Disaster. Say with me, disaster. disaster. If you want to buy a matatu, buy now. Buy, buy when? Now. <laughs> it's disaster. For you to open a kiosk when you have retired as a nurse, all these years you have been injecting people. You are now 65. You open a kiosk to start selling milk and, and matchboxes. My God. Say again, disaster. You want to start growing Lumonde when you are 62. You start <laughs> cassava plantation and you are 62. What are you going to do with cassava at 62? You will die very quickly. If you want to start uh, eh, farming, start now. Start when? The age you are, start now. Even Ecclesiastes says, remember now the Lord your God in the days of your youth. Before the evil days, cup when you'll have no pleasure in you know there are days are coming you'll have no pleasure in nothing even those eggs the doctor will tell you don't eat eggs don't drink milk don't eat, don't eat chicken just eat beans <laughs> you say what when i had no money now that i've got money i'm no i should not eat life is that is like that it's unfair so it's better to bear the yoke when you are still young Am I talking to somebody here? Yes. So become creative now. You want to become a farmer? Start farming now. By the time you are 60, you are established as a what? As a farmer. You can't work as a teacher all your life after you are tired. Say, now, nah, I think now I'm out of the classroom now. I think I can now buy a, buy a matatu to be going from Kampala to Marara. <laughs> Those young men will clean you out. The touts and the drivers, the wires, they'll, make, they'll buy their own matatus from your matatu. You've got no energy to keep chasing them. <laughs> Am I helping somebody here? Tell them to become creative. Become a thinker. Stop chasing a one rabbit the whole day like Esau. And when he comes and he means to chase to catch a rabbit, he comes to a thinker and he's telling, ah, Jacob, eh, give me your food. Jacob, as I think, had prepared a contract. Before you eat any of my food, can you sign on the dotted line? <laughs> what was he signing off? His birthright. And because you're so hungry, he signed it off. How many Africans have we have signed off our birthright? So he said, no, let Chinese come create jobs. We shall give them labor. Why should we be giving labor? Can't we do those? Am I, am I talking to you here? What the Chinese are doing in Uganda, can't we do it ourselves? These Ugandans go to Makerere and study engineering. They're not good engineers. Am I helping you here? Am I making you think? That's what I want. I just want to start thinking. Why? Why is it that Chinese come here thinking? And we can't... So we say, I'm employed by an Indian. What is he employing? Labor. He wants labor. Cheap labor from you. Your own country. You are picking cotton. You are carrying bananas on the head. You are carrying coffee on your back. Your own country, you are cutting sugar cane. Because you have refused to think. You can only work as a cane cutter. And you are a Ugandan. Ugandan soil. You are cutting cane for an Indian. I'm provoking you. Am I helping you? 
thinking. How come London is the center of coffee trade? They don't have a single coffee bush in the UK. But the price of coffee is determined in London. The price of tea, of tea is not determined in Nairobi or Mombasa. It's determined in London. The price of diamonds is determined in, in Brussels, in Belgium. They don't have a single diamond mine. Why? Because we are not thinkers. These diamonds were in Zimbabwe all this time. This gold was in South Africa all this time. Hello? Hello. Am I talking to somebody here? Yeah. The copper was in Zambia all this time. But what we are doing in the grounds? We just use it for the bush for toilet. Because <laughs> we refuse to think. Are we changing? Should I close? Should, should I close or, or I'm helping you? I'm helping you. Because when we start thinking, you will discover there's a lot we can do. But don't just go, hey, I'm going to England to look for a job. Have you seen what the Africans, the Ugandans in England, the jobs they are doing in England? Or America? Because I go there. It's scary. Don't be fooled by the few clothes they bought when they come here. Nike, Puma. No, don't be fooled. You can buy those even in a thrift shop for three pounds. They're just selling cheap labor. And some of them are there illegally, so they cannot even work and be paid the right wages. So they've got to work under the radar. It's not, you look at that life, you say, just go back to Uganda. Just go back to Kenya. But no, not, I've got nothing. You've got nothing because you refuse to think. That was number what? <laughs> Can I give you two more and then I get out of your way? Because you look like you're tired of me. Yet some of you are almost throwing, throwing your shoes at me. Number four, discipline. Discipline. So we talked about the first one is what? Responsibility. Number two? Number three? Number four? For you to make money, you have to be disciplined. There's something that Africans have not yet learned. And I'm talking to you as an African, and I'm not apologizing. Write it down. It's called delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. I went to an Indian school in my high school. In my high school. It belonged, it's the Aga Khan High School in Nairobi. So I spent six years with the Indian community and I learned some of their ways. However much money they have, you'll find Indians may drive the same car for 10, 15 years. The father will give it to the son, the son will keep it and give it to his grandson. But look at a Ugandan businessman or businesswoman. As soon as she starts her first business, the first thing she wants to buy is a Mercedes-Benz. To floss. So on Sunday afternoon, you are driving on Kampala Road. You want people to see you. Am I talking to somebody here? Yeah. While you are doing the same business like an Indian businessman, 
who's driving a Toyota Corolla that he was given by his father. <laughs> Yours is on loan, his is not. You're living in a rented house, he's living in the old family house. Why? Because it's a five bed, three bedroom house or four bedroom house. The father and mother live here and he lives here with his children, so he doesn't pay rent. But you, you left your father's house, you are living in Bugolobi, you are paying. Am I, can I, am I talking to you here? Yeah. You are trying to pay, you only want to live on a company of your own where you've got workers and servants and dogs to take care of you and security guards to open your gate. This Indian is still opening his own gate. Am I talking to somebody? Yeah. I even see it with the, with the preachers. I've been preaching for 40 years. I still drive my own car. Young people who started preaching three years ago have got drivers. <laughs> Kampala is like Nairobi. You, are more, you have got more bishops than believers. <laughs> Every preacher can afford a briefcase is an apostle. So you meet them. RJB, I am apostle, so and so. You know? <laughs> when did you become an apostle? People I preached to when I was in primary school are now apostles. I'm looking at them and I'm wondering, when did you become an apostle? Why? Nobody wants to take their time to grow into something. Can I talk to you? Yeah. If I pick you now the way you are, by helicopter, I can drop you on top of Mount Everest. On top. But in two hours, you'll be dead. Do you know what I just said? By helicopter, there's technology that can take you on top of Mount Everest. In two hours, I can drop you there. Half an hour, you're on top. Get up, there you are. But in two hours, you'll be what? But someone will come. They'll have practiced for about a year. And they'll start climbing slowly. It may take them a month to get to the top. But they can stay there for two hours, three hours, and come down safely. Why? Because they are, they've gotten acclimatized as they went up one step at a time. Africans want to become rich tomorrow. Start a business today and become a millionaire now. So we are trying to make millions from one customer. Well, Nakumat is trying to make millions from 10,000 customers. Are you seeing the difference? Uchumi supermarket almost collapsed in Kenya. While Nakumat was going ahead. Nakumat is a family business belonging to Atul Shah and his brothers and sisters. Because their business principles are different from Uchumi. Paul says, this one thing I do. How many things? How many? One. Uchumi's mistake was they went into real estate. They started building their own shops and owning land. That was not their core business. So most of their money was tied into land buying and putting up property. Uchumi supermarkets doesn't own a single building you see them operating in. Because to them, that's not our core business. Our core business is that we are dukawalas. You see them here? That building does not belong to Nakumat. 
They tell you, you put it up, we shall tell you how to put it up. We shall become your tenants for the next 20 years. But we don't, it doesn't belong to us. So if the Kampala City Council breaks it down, Uchumi has got no loss. Can I teach you something more? Because of the way they operate, anything you see in Uchumi supermarket does not belong to Uchumi. It belongs to the manufacturer. Because of the volumes of the people who go into their shops, they tell East Africa Industries Omokwano, they say, this shelf is for your products. Fill them yourself. Ours is to sell for you at a profit. We'll keep our margin. You come for your check of what we'll have sold. And Mukwano realizes it's a good outlet. They'd rather comply. Uchumi does not collect goods from suppliers. Suppliers bring goods to them. No, I say Nakumat. Am I making sense to you? Because they understood their core business. But Uchumi decided to go, we shall buy land, we shall put up buildings, because we were being led by some Africans. And Uchumi started becoming broke because they had no money to pay their suppliers. Nakumat does not have suppliers whom they owe money. Because everything you see there written in East Africa Industries belongs to East Africa Industries. That's why when you go to Nakumat even today, you'll find there are girls or boys promoting, buy our product, buy our product. Why? Because to Nakumat, all they are provided is space and shelves. Whatever we don't sell by the end of the month, come and collect it. Bring us fresh stuff. Are you realizing why they cannot fail? Because that's their business model. They are thinkers. And they focus on, they are disciplined. They know what their core business is. Africans, you want to start a shop today, and tomorrow you want to start taxi business, then you want to buy a farm. Can I continue? <laughs> Hello? Hello? So what are you running? A farm, taxi, or shop? And you are still a lecturer at Makerere. <laughs> when, when will you mark papers and do accounts? And count eggs. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody here? Yes. But to the Indian, they look for one. Business. And they are disciplined in that. So if it's a hotel business, what do they do? Hotel, hotel. So this is imperial. How many are they? Am I making sense? Because that's his core business. What about Bukwano? It's in industries. Am I correct? That's his core business. You don't find the Bukwano guy coming into hotels. Talk to me. Am I making sense to you now? Yes. But with us, you want to have a hotel, you want to run taxis, you want to have a farm, and the farm is not even near here. It's in Gulu. <laughs> Do you realize why now we cannot make it in any of them? Lack of discipline. And then we don't want to delay our gratification. Why? We want to look successful. When? Now. Remember the word is look what? Successful. Don't desire to look successful because that's for success. Hallelujah. Am I helping you here? Come on, tell your neighbor, discipline your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Just discipline your life. Discipline your, your, your spending. There's a man who had a big insurance industry in Kenya. I used to insure my cars with, with that company, the general manager. The general manager was a friend of mine. One time I went there and 
He told me, I'm resigning. Bishop, I'm resigning from this job. I said, why? He says, the owner of this company is stealing from himself. I said, what do you mean? He says, every week this man takes about 200,000 shillings from the company, goes for holiday in Zanzibar or Malindi or Mombasa or London. Every weekend, every Friday he's flying out. And I realized very soon this company will collapse because he's stealing from himself. And that's our major problem. So you've got to start disciplining your expenditure. Personal expenditure. Protect your money from, your, from thieves and from yourself. You are the greatest thief of your own money. If you put money in a bank, you're protecting from thieves. But it's not safe from yourself. Because you have got an ATM card. Am I correct? You can access it anywhere in Uganda, even in Kenya. Am I correct? So how do I protect my money from myself? Put it in long-term instruments where you cannot access it even yourself. Put it in life insurance. Put it in bonds. Put it in shares. Invest like in real estate and just leave it there. It means you're protecting your money from yourself. Am I, am I helping somebody here? Because that's why we lack discipline. Because you, you, you want to keep on walking around with your ATM card, flashing it all around all the time for to see, hey, I've got an ATM card. I can access my money. Yeah. Pin number. What? 300,000. You put in your pocket. But you don't even need the money. You need to show off to a woman. Why should you have money in your pocket you don't need? Because of lack of discipline. You buy things you don't need. I saw it on eBay. So, who told you you must buy everything on eBay? Oh, Bishop, this was good. Why? It was on sale. So, just because it was on sale doesn't mean you have to buy it. Tell your neighbor, control your appetite. I mean, you don't have to buy anything you see on eBay. Everything. Oh, I walked, I saw the dress was on sale. So, so you bought it because it was on sale. You're, you're, you're not in discipline. You don't buy something because it's on sale. You buy something because you need it. Hello? Hello? Am I talking to somebody here? You don't eat to live. You don't live to eat. You eat to live. So learn to manage your appetite. You don't have to sleep with every, everything in a trouser. And everybody in a skirt. No, pick one wife. Suddenly you are quiet. I say... Discipline means you'll pick one wife or you'll pick one husband and leave the others alone. Uh, only one man is telling me true. The rest of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? I know what I'm talking about. Because what kills many of us is lack of discipline. If you are single, you are single. Keep your zipper up. Girl, if you're not married, keep all your clothes on, including the small ones. That's a discipline. I know you don't look happy with me, but I'm going to talk to you as a father. Because that's why some of us lack discipline. So anybody passing in a trouser, they're not all yours. Anything in a skirt, hey, hello, madam, how are you, madam? They're not all yours. You'll never find anybody admitted in Mogalago suffering from withdrawal symptoms of lack of sex. 
An ambulance racing through Kampala. It's carrying a woman who has had sex for three months. She's shivering uncontrollably. What happens? She has not had sex for three months. If you, unless she has sex quickly, she's going to die. Doesn't exist. So don't look at me like, Bishop, if I don't have sex, I am going to collapse. No, no, no. Go to Mulago. You'll find a whole world of people who have abused sex. Suffering from all sorts of diseases that I'm not going to mention for technical reasons. So don't tell me I cannot stay without sex. You can. Discipline. Your secretary is supposed to work for you, not to sleep with you. You're quiet. I'm trying to help you here. You're not supposed to sleep with your boss. You're supposed to work. Five o'clock, get out of, go home. If he doesn't want that, leave the job. Discipline. That's a major killer. We lack discipline. In our appetites, in our physical bodies, we control our finances. What do we do with our money? We lack discipline. And if I can challenge you, start being disciplined. I've been married to the same woman 38 years. Amen. Oh, but isn't she getting old? So am I. Do I do? <laughs> We're aging together. And I'm not complaining. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, but so and so has got a younger wife. A sober man will tell you, some things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. As you age, there are some things you used to do, you cannot do. Because you reach an age where every joint is creaking. And the ones that are not creaking, it's because they're not working. You need someone who can age with you gracefully. Get married when you are young. It's called the wife of your youth. See photographs of me and my wife when we were young. We looked bad. We looked bad. Now we are aging together gracefully. I know I still look bad. I'm, I'm not apologizing. Even if she comes here, man, you'll say, wow. Is that a grandmother? I tell you, she is a grandmother. But she's my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, you know sometimes we say, this lack of discipline does not help you. Not every woman is meant to, is meant to be slept with. Hallelujah. Amen. Am I helping you or am I confusing you? Amen. Finally, love your country. Love your country. Amen? Let us be patriotic. That's the word. Patriotism. Let's be patriots. You know, Americans, you can criticize Obama, but don't criticize the U.S. of A. Tell you, what did you say? No, no. I don't care about George W. Bush, but don't talk about my country. They'll stand with that flag. They'll support that country. They'll die for their country. Am I making sense? Eh? The British, you can criticize the Queen Elizabeth, Prince Charles, Cameron, but don't touch Britain. With us, we'll criticize Museveni, 
and criticize Uganda at the same time. See, the president is there for now. One of these days, he may no longer be the president of this country. But Uganda shall still survive. So, me, with me, I don't mind. You can call Uhuru Kenyatta anything you want to call him. Because we elected him the other day. 2017, we shall go for elections again. He may win or not win. Am I clear? But Kenya is my country. And I refuse to apologize. And I'll pray for Kenya. I'll support Kenya. I'll stand with Kenya. By supporting Kenya does not mean I'm supporting Uru. I may disagree with him. But I love the nation. And I like to see Kenya. I'm looking for Ugandans who want to see Uganda succeed. You love Uganda that you want to see Uganda do what? Succeed. And you not allow anybody to say something negative about Uganda. Says, if you want to criticize our politicians, you do it. But leave Uganda alone. For Uganda, I'm ready to die. Woo! Am I talking to somebody here? That's what has made the difference in the West. They were ready to fight wars for their own nation. Protect their values. Protect their way of life. Stand for it. When you have got no, nothing to fight for, anything goes. Hello? I am calling upon you to start thinking patriotically. Uganda can be better than it is. Uganda can go higher than where it is. Uganda can be more prosperous than what it is. And I have a role to play. It's my responsibility. I can be creative enough. I can be accountable to this nation. I can pick up stuff and uh, delay my gratification <coughs> and be disciplined enough to see Uganda succeed. You can make a difference in Uganda. You can make a difference in your generation. David did. Don't bury your talent. Use your time. Use your life. Use your education. Use your skills responsibly. Be accountable for them. And apply yourself to make sure I shall leave Uganda better than when I left it. Amen? Amen. Am I talking to somebody here? Don't just be a note consumer. Become a contributor to this nation. Don't look for what you can grab out of it. Look for what you can put in this nation, making it better than when you left, when you came here. Don't just keep on whining and complaining, ah, the politicians, but what are you doing yourself? Oh, our leaders, no, leave your leaders. What are you doing yourself to make Uganda better? That's the purpose of Inspire. It's to make you start thinking creatively, imagining creatively. I didn't just go to school to stamp vouchers and and the piece is signed and no, I can become an employer myself. When I'm still young, I can bear the yoke of business. Soon your young business can fail and you pick up again, fail and you pick up again. Julian who comes here, Julian, he was part of the speakers here. He couldn't come this time. He's one of the top 40 under 40 business people in Kenya. If he tells you his story, you'll cry. How auctioneers came and auctioned him because he had lost his company, had lost a million dollars. He had made a million dollar losses. But because he was young, he was able to absorb it. At my age, if I lose a million dollars, my blood pressure will go high. My sugar will start acting. My thyroid will start throwing tantrums. 
But at your age, you can take the option. You know what? I'm only 28. I can pick up my life all over again. He came to see me that time he had made a loss. His eyes were red. His, him and his wife had been thrown out of their house only with their clothes. Everything else was taken by auctioneers. He stayed with friends for six months as a squatter. Today is one of the major employers in our country. Any of you with an airtel line? You have airtel line? Do you, some, do, you, do you borrow airtime sometimes when you have run out of money? You are borrowing from him. I'm saying when you borrow, you're borrowing from him. You say you don't borrow. I've sat with him. Let me tell you something. I've sat with him at 10 o'clock in the morning. We're having tea. He's always just looking at his galaxy note. And he tells me, this is almost 10 o'clock in the morning. He says in Kenya, we have just lent a million shillings so far. They are lending more than banks. Because people pay their money the same day. Am I correct? With the banks, they'll give you, but when you borrow 100 shillings, by afternoon, you'll get 100 and pie. Do you know when you say you borrow 100 shillings worth of airtime, what do they give you? They only give you worth 85. They cut off the interest already. So by the time you're putting 100, with them already, they've already paid themselves. So the, the, their repayment rate is more successful than the banks. They've got very few defaulters. <laughs> do you know how long it took him to sell that idea? 15 minutes. How many minutes? When he went to the managing director of the then Zane, Rene Meza, Rene was coming out of his office to go and he found him in his waiting room. He says, I was told there's a business deal you, idea I want to sell. You've got five minutes to tell me, otherwise it does not work. See, the days of writing a long CV are over. If your CV cannot fit on a single page, no employer will look at it. You think I've got time to read your CV as I'm reading, as though I'm reading the Bible. Bible, I'll read three, four pages. But your CV, if you don't, cannot fit on one page, I'm not looking at it. You're wasting my time. If you've got anything sensible to say, be ready to say it in five minutes. That's where creativity comes in. In five minutes, Rene Meza told his, called his legal department, says, draw a an agreement with this man. And that is when he took off. His headquarters have just moved from Nairobi now to London. Because the British have invested massively in his company. The Germans, the Russians. Because he is in 20 African countries. MTN is bringing him on board. Still under 40. Does he have a degree? No. You are shocked. He's employing graduates to work for him. <laughs> You're quiet. Or am I annoying you? Is, it, is that too painful for me to tell you that? <laughs> it's too painful. But that's the reality. It can happen to you. Riches don't belong to men of skills. It's people who know how to take their chance. At the right, he was told five minutes. He took his chance. And there it is. Have I challenged you? Have I helped you to start thinking afresh? Come on, look at your neighbor. If you take the ideas, 
change your life. Just tell him, neighbor, when you make it to the top, don't forget that preacher. When I started teaching these things in my church, I told people in my church, some of you, very one of these days, you shall write your own CV. Not CV, your own appointment letter. Because the company will say, we want you so much. Can you dictate the terms with which you'll work for us? People thought it cannot happen. But when those who learn these disciplines, companies want to keep them. You tell them you want to go, they say, tell us what you want. We don't want you to go. I talk about the Smiley community because I went to Aga Khan High School. I saw how the Indians work. I was the deputy head boy in that school. My head boy was called Lutaf Kassam. He's, the, he's now the director of Aga Khan Development Network in Africa and Asia and Europe. I'm flying from Paris one time back to Nairobi. I'm sitting in the business lounge and I see him walking. I couldn't remember him because I left school in 1972. That's the last time I saw him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He walks to me and he says, I remember you. And I asked him, and who are you? Lutaf Kassam. I says, oh, I remember you now. And we start talking. We are in the business class of the plane. We sat next to one another. And he's telling me about his community. He's refused to live in Paris. He lives in Nairobi. He feels safer in Nairobi. He's a Kenyan. Why? Because the Khan told them, don't leave Kenya. All people are fighting. They say, the opportunities I see are great. Invest in that country. Invest in Uganda. Invest in Tanzania. When others are leaving, they are not leaving. There are only about 10,000 in East Africa. They control the economy of East Africa. Because they think outside the box. They don't eat pork. But they own the largest pork processing factory in East Africa. <laughs> Farmer's Choice. You want pork, they'll process it for you, but they don't eat it. <laughs> They'll hire you to process it and give them the profits. Because of that, they supply all the American forces in the, on the Indian Ocean. They supply them with pork products, gum on ham and all that. Supplied from Nairobi. And they are paid in dollars. And you raise the pigs. Because they are thinking. Am I talking to you here? Yeah. So I'm sitting with him. He tells me about one of my elders, Alex. Alex used to work for him, and then Alex left. And then when he had, Alex had lost his job, he called him back. He says, that guy is a good worker. He can turn companies around. He's a thinker. And they tape, pay him a top dollar to keep him there. It can happen to you. The young men I started talk, talking to 10 years ago, some of them are now working in Johannesburg. They are Ugandans. He's working in Kenya. Very soon he may be going to work in Dubai. Ugandan trained here in Makerere, Budo. But they just listened to what I was teaching. And it changed the outlook towards life. When I come here, I find one of them. I'm now in the Bank of Uganda. No, no, I've moved. I'm in Citibank. No, I've moved. I'm now in I say, Because they, they are, banks are fighting for them. Companies are fighting for them. Because they understand the things I'm teaching you. Catch them to change your life. When you go up, don't forget me. I'm not asking you for an offering. Oh, I'm just saying don't forget me. When you get to the top. Am I correct? So when you find me that time, please buy me a, a, a matoke and lumonde. God bless you.